Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of MD Wannabes. This is our eighth episode, and today I'm joined by two other third-year medical students. My name is Ram, and I'm also a third-year medical student. Um, why don't we go around and introduce ourselves? Hi, my name's Brooks. I'm also a third-year med student. And I'm Amber, third-year medical student. And today we're going to be doing a two-part series um, specifically about mentorship. So today's episode is going to be getting the student perspective on the mentors we have, whether they are people or not people, such as Reddit. And then <laughs> next week, we're going to try to bring in a doctor to talk about how they um, mentor students as well as kind of like the lifestyle in medicine. So with that, why don't we start talking about mentors? Uh, my first question for you guys is, what do you look for in a mentor? Yeah, so there's lots of different people and um, tools like Reddit that can be mentors. So there's the mentors that you have assigned to you by your school, which pretty much every school does, I think. And then there's the mentors that you go out and find uh, for yourself. So if I'm looking for someone that I want to be my mentor and that I'm going out and not assigned to me, uh, I think that one of the big things that I look for is, I mean, just a personality fit. I know that the biggest thing you probably should look for is what that relationship might be able to provide to you, like how much they know about and different things like that. But I think a good baseline is just a personality fit. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect or anything, but if you really can't talk and feel at least somewhat vulnerable with that person, I think it'd be pretty hard to connect with them on a level that you might be able to carry over a couple of years and routinely speak with them um, pretty openly about stuff. So uh, this is a mentor who is assigned to us, um, uh, who does an excellent job of mentoring our entire small group. Um, so he's not someone that I personally um, went out of my way to you know, try and go speak with. Um, he was, like I said, assigned to us. But I think that he is a really good personality fit for the personality of our small group. And he does a really excellent job of Letting us know, uh, letting us know that you know we can share whatever we want to with him, and really be open with our questions, and just that personality that we get from him is massive. So, if there was one thing I had to say, it'd probably be that. Yeah, and I would agree. I personally don't have any formal mentors outside of um, the one that the school gave to us. So, Dr. Corntager and prior to that, Dr. Gear. Um, but I do think I have a lot of informal mentors that I sort of lean on for the same things. I think the relationship just began organically, whether it be through clinic or research or if they're, you know, just students or residents a couple years older than me. And I think that has led to the best advice and the best relationships because since we have that friendship or that um, working background, just naturally, then I felt like I had a springboard to jump off to with like my career questions and things of that nature. With that, um, do you have any specific stories of a um, like an interaction with a mentor or anything like that? I'm kind of like Amber right now. Honestly, I, I don't think I have like one or two big mentors that I speak with weekly um, that haven't been assigned to us by the school. Kind of just a lot of people with slightly more informal relationships that I lean on. Um, someone who has been a pretty big help to me has been Dr. Custer. Um, he's an interventional radiology doctor, and he's just helped me talk through uh, a lot of different stuff while we've been working through this project, this research project that I've been with him on. And he's been helping me a lot more on uh, letting me know what is clinically relevant and what's relevant in the IR practice and with research 
and kind of what, what's not so much, um, which coming from a baseline of zero when writing up research has really helped a lot. Someone else that I've been meeting with somewhat regularly has been uh, Dr. Mirza, who's a urologist here at KU, and uh, he's the program director for urology, and I've been trying to decide if I want to do that or not. So I met with him a few times to discuss it, and he's been really excellent helping me figure out um, you know, if I do want to do it and what the path would look like for me personally with my application, um, how it currently is. So those are just kind of two, two stories or two people. Um, you know, I had a problem or everybody, you know, you start with a problem. My problem is I didn't know if I want to do urology or not. Um, and the solution is to find someone who can hopefully help guide you to an answer. So, you know, looking for a program director, looking for a faculty you've worked with before, someone like that. And for me, I think I'm going to highlight just some peer mentors, um, even though, you know, they might just be a year ahead of you or they're in their intern year. I think they still have a wealth of knowledge that you can kind of come off um, and benefit from. So, for example, like there is an M4 who before she now she's an intern, but before she graduated, she kind of sat me down, told me about her uh, journey through third year, gave me a resource drive with all these different resources that I could use to study and really made herself available to me um, if I needed it. And then I've gotten that as well from there is an MD PhD student here um, who really helped me through the first two years and would regularly check in on me. Um, so I, I definitely think that some of my most fruitful mentorship relationships have just been from other peers. Okay, that's really cool. Um, I know you guys mentioned a lot of like mentors who are actual people, but can you also get mentorship outside of um, like people at the hospital or people in your medical school? Reddit. <laughs> with a grain of salt, with All a big old grain of salt. <laughs> oh, I Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> I tend to disagree. I go to Reddit for everything. <laughs> yeah, Reddit is my biggest mentor, actually. Um, but I know I also make fun of med influencers. But I think the few that are not cringy can actually help you out a little bit. Um, so, what's your definition of cringe, or what do you think separates a good? You know, on the TikTok where they do the dances and they point at different things, and you don't have time to actually read it. They're like, "Don't let anybody get you down about your scores." And then it like goes to the left corner, and it's just like, "You're awesome." Like that's kind of cringe to me. Hey, I want someone to tell me I'm awesome. <laughs> I know. I think it's the fact of like the TikTok dancing with it. I don't really need my doctor to TikTok dance, but. If you kind of look past that a little bit, I think they can provide some good information and good resources for like certain national research initiatives and things like that. Mm-hmm. We might have missed the boat on this one. Um, <laughs> we might be a little old, but I think it's really cool that just how much exposure you can get in the field. There are a lot of these, you know, different apps like TikTok, stuff like that, YouTube. Um, you know, if I had a dollar for every time the YouTube algorithm showed me a day in the life of a spine surgeon or <laughs> something like that. Like it just always pops up, which I don't really think about it now, but that would have been really cool to have in high school or maybe even undergrad to decide if medicine was for me before I like really truly knew. Um, just to be able to see that and get that kind of content and actually look, you know, here's what a day in the life looks like and to be able to see 15 of those just scrolling through different profiles on TikTok or YouTube or something would have been really nice um, to have. And there, I, I think for me personally, what separates someone who's productive on TikTok for using that exposure or some other app, um, I think is 
how you're using it. You know, if you're just going on TikTok and you're like, oh, woe is me, look at me, it's so hard to be in med school, look at all this different stuff. Like, that's not a productive use of the I exposure. Feel like there's such a big rise in that though. Like yeah. I've seen like I've seen so many posts. I don't even know why these are coming on my feed. I've not typed in anything med school related. I don't go on TikTok <laughs> for med school, but it shows up and mm-hmm. it's always like people like, I have eight hours of studying today and like I think if I was a pre med I wouldn't have gone to med school after watching those. Or yeah. But <laughs> They'll show you TikToks of them crying. I'm like, when you're crying, did you really think I'm going to TikTok this? <laughs> like, it just, it, that doesn't make sense to me. That's just people that, you know, we all go through struggles. Yes, there is eight hours of studying. But why do you want everyone to see you crying like that? Like, to mm-hmm. me, that's weird. Yeah. And I mean, there are, like, like no doubt there's hard stuff in med school. There's long days you have to put in and there's different stuff here and there, but there's also a lot of really cool stuff that's yeah. also not that hard. Like we get days off, we get this and that and the other that's not that bad. Like show the breadth of everything, I think is what I kind of get upset mm-hmm. about with that. But. We should podcast ourselves crying. <laughs> <laughs> Coming next week, 45 minute cry sesh, here we go. <laughs> Honestly, I haven't had a good cry in a while. I feel like that's coming up. I feel like I'm like overdue. Text it. me when it happens. I'll, I'll bring my microphone. <laughs> I'll snap <laughs> you. I actually like Reddit a lot. Um, one, because it's, you know, it's not really like social media based. So people don't really post on there for, I guess, like self-promotion. And there's a lot of like TikTokers and things like that who post really good information. But I think with Reddit, they like because people are anonymous, I think like, it's really objective that good advice sometimes gets echoed a little bit more than bad mm-hmm. advice. And I think like that's one of my regrets is not using um, Reddit more, especially when I was in college or high school as like a career tool. But now with like the subreddits like r slash medical school, mm-hmm. I think everyone can be really prepared and have really good advice. And if you ha- even, even if you don't have like an in-person mentor, you can ask questions and use it like a forum. And I think there's actually good advice that gets told on there you know mm-hmm. i agree it's hard i think it's a just play devil's advocate i would definitely agree with you and i use it for a ton of stuff i do mm-hmm. think there are some challenges with it though like you said it's really helpful because it's anonymous and so a lot of times um, the correct answer might get echoed more just because people don't have room for self-promotion mm-hmm. but also it's anonymous so you're not quite sure who's telling you that information yeah. it could if be like an M- m1 like advising yeah. an m4 yeah. <laughs> yeah like hopefully the upvote and downvote system works like it should but you know maybe there's no upvotes on something that says i matched into durham and if you're mm-hmm. like someone that wants to match into durham you're like Hmm. Is this real? Did this person actually do this? I don't know. I will say Reddit can turn into an echo chamber a little bit. So if you are trying to get advice from there, like take everything with a bit of a grain of salt. Like you guys were saying, it can be a great place, but it can also be very, very depressing. And Rom said he probably wouldn't have gone to med school if he saw all the TikToks. I probably wouldn't have gone to med school if I saw all the Reddits uh, where people were saying, like, you know, how terrible med school is. So. Um, just know that it's not everyone's experience. Yeah, that's definitely um, true. No matter what advice or what post you give, take everything with a grain of salt and then use the overwhelming opinion to create your own. Plus, if you try to have any opinion about not using Anki, like, good luck. <laughs> you're going <to> get, <laughs> to get roasted flame to the highest degree. But, I mean, I like Anki, though, so mm-hmm. maybe, maybe I would roast you. <laughs> I, I do think it's a good resource overall, for sure. Mm-hmm. I, use it, yeah. 
but even outside of like the medical school reddit there's that um other one that's just devoted to medical students and anki and i think that mm-hmm. one's a lot more like professional like it's a lot less like meme based and they actually give um good tutorials on how to use the stuff and Mm-hmm. People post decks and you can download and I've done actually done that before like downloaded some random person's deck and used it. Yeah, same. Yeah. All the decks that I've made have been random people's decks. <laughs> I don't use it anymore during um I use it only during step 1 studying okay. and then I haven't used it before and I haven't used it since. Mm-hmm. Do you guys use Twitter to um for like mentorship? <laughs> No. <laughs> I know that a lot of people do. Um, I'm starting to because radiology, which is what I think I might want to do, is really big on Twitter for some yeah, reason. Yeah, I like, see a lot of those profiles. Yeah, like everyone's got a profile in radiology for attendings and residents. So I'm starting to just to try and network. There was this like kind of anonymous mentor program that I got set up on uh, for radiology and matched with someone and he told me that he basically introduced me to radiology Twitter. And so, like I said, I got set up with a profile, but I'm only following like 50 or 75 people right now. So I'm horrible about remembering to get on there and tweet and interact with people, but I am starting to try and do that now. So what kind of things do you like post on there? What kind of things do you see from other students who use it? It's a lot of, it's a lot of replying to people's research that they might post on there or people you know, commenting on different pieces of research and how it might be applied clinically, or um, just a lot of different stuff about programs, learning about different radiology programs, what separates them, what makes them unique. And it's kind of cool because you can tailor it to, um, you can tailor it to what you like. So if you like, but I'm just kind of a broken record on this podcast, but if you like machine learning or artificial intelligence stuff, within you know radiology or within something else you can follow a program director for like MassGen loves to do stuff with artificial intelligence so if you follow their page they're going to repost stuff on you know the cutting edge of artificial intelligence applied to radiology so like that's just kind of cool to see have you met anyone uh, like that you've connected with or maybe? not in person okay. um, I've had so, like a couple back and forth conversations I think but yeah, yeah but that's pretty good never met anyone in person so okay. yeah do you use Twitter, Amber? Um, personally, yes. But <laughs> professionally, I have not really got into that world. I've started telling, sort of dipping my toes and following some people um, who are in the med Twitter world. Um, I think it falls victim to the same cringe behavior that you see <laughs> on TikTok and Instagram. But there is also some really good uh, information out there. So I think once I can get past, like, the other stuff that I find a little interesting, I think I might join maybe my fourth year just to sort of network on the interview trail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. I personally don't have one. I'm just bad at social media. I'm hoping that it's not going to become something that kind of precludes you from like being in the academic world or being in the medical world. Like everyone needs to have a Twitter at some point because I, I just can't. I don't know what to tweet. Like I, I draw a blank page. But um, I might look into it, actually. It sounds like you guys have been using it. It's been working for you. I do get anxious about that. I probably once a month just have this really strong feeling of I want to be completely invisible and go off the grid and just, like, not invisible that way, like, not in a depressing way, but just, like, I don't want people to be able to contact me. I just want to be without social media and not answer my phone as much. And then I'm like, uh, well, is that going to make me less competitive or, like, 
mm-hmm. like you said. Um, I'm saying like too much again. <laughs> just would it lower my probability of being able to network with people essentially? And so I hope it wouldn't be, but. Moving away from kind of the social media aspect of mentorship, how has, um, have your mentors changed between your preclinical, like the first two years of medical school where you're in the classroom to the last two where you're more in the clinic? Yes and no. So since I don't really have too many formal mentorship relationships, that just leads itself to having flexibility in, you know, who I take advice from. Um, But at the same time, no, because a lot of my peer mentors and people that have gone to my classes, those are still the people that I go to. If anything, I just have a wider net of people to bounce my ideas off of. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. I think the one thing that's probably changed for me is now... Amber said about peers above you, like people in the class above you. I think that my mentor group now also includes my actual peers because people will go on different rotations before you and I'll just go talk to people who've been on those rotations and say, hey, you know, which attendings did you like working with a lot? What procedures did you get to do? What are the ins and outs of this rotation? So even not people who've been through in the class above you, but in your class specifically, who've already been through it can be a great resource. So I think that, you know, mentor or not, maybe you might not call that a mentor, but um, kind of in that same vein, I think it's helpful to talk with people in your class. I actually um, agree with that. One way that the mentors have changed for me for the first two years, I think I was relying on more students, Mm -hmm. um, such as how do I pass this exam? How do I do well on like my step exams? When do I start using like U World, and when did I? When do you start doing this or that? And when you research. But then when I got into the third year, I started to notice that I was, I was like, dang, I need to have a job at the end of this. I need to figure <laughs> out what I want to do with my life. So then now it's kind of more focused at doctors, asking them um, what got you interested in the field that you're currently in, trying to understand why they went into a certain field. Why did they? pick pediatrics or OB-GYN or whatever they're doing Mm -hmm. and seeing if I can apply that to what I'm doing right now. And I think it's actually been pretty helpful. Like a lot of the doctors are very honest. They're like this, maybe this aspect of the lifestyle, this specialty wasn't very good. So I decided to do this or Mm -hmm. I like this specific procedure. So I wanted to do more of that. Mm -hmm. And I think the mentorship has kind of gone from just being more like doing academically well to more kind of life um, relevant things. Okay, so now that we talked about um, ways you can find mentors and the kinds of mentors that are out there, what are some red flags that you look for when trying to find a mentor? I think a red flag is, you know, all doctors are busy, all people are busy. The people that just really do not get back to you, um, even after you send a follow-up message, I think that's a red flag. Um you know, after one follow-up message or two and they don't get back to you, that just seems like somebody who, you know, might not have the bandwidth at the moment to support you in the way that you need. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think Amber's dead on with the communication piece of it. And there are some doctors that will tell you in person, hey, it's not my workload. I'm just horrible at communicating. Please email me four, five, six times. So I think that there are some people who have been good mentors to me in the past who I just have to repeatedly remind that we have appointments or stuff. And honestly, that's probably how I will be in the future. (laughs) So (laughs) I understand that. Um, 
yeah, I think it just depends. If you don't know them and you send them an email and a follow-up, definitely, like Amber said, maybe they just can't support you right now in that capacity. But there are some people who that might just be their baseline. So, Yeah, I mean, and, and that's pretty common too. Like some people are just really busy and they can't, um, don't have the time to like mentor you, you know. Mm-hmm. I think another red flag could be um, if they try to pressure you into making a career decision. I mean, I, I think a little... Has that really happened to you? Not to me. Well, mm, <laughs> kind of. Uh, I think if they try to guide you somewhere, that's to be expected, right? But if they try to pressure you into or out of something, um, then I think that could not be the best relationship to be in. I think sometimes if, like, maybe a student or someone takes, like, a very extreme approach to something, then maybe I don't take their advice, like, 100%. Because not everything, this is, like, a Star Wars quote, but, like, only a Sith deals in absolutes, you know? Like, (laughs) they say, like, you need to do this if you want to do well on step. Or, like, if you aren't doing this, then you're not going to do well. Then, Mm -hmm. like, people need to see both sides of an Mm -hmm. issue to, like make a re like if someone came up to me and said the only way you can do well is to do Anki like mm-hmm. I I kind of I use Anki a lot I really like it but I wouldn't tell someone it's the only way you can succeed like if you can't see both perspectives to something then I would say that's kind of a red flag on their future advice yeah definitely okay so Brooks had to leave I guess the TikToks are true you do have to study about 15 hours a day uh, just kidding. I don't know what he's up to, but he had to leave. So it's just me and Amber right now. But I just had a quick question. How have you been a mentor for students? Yeah, so again, I have not formally been like, I'm your mentor. Let's meet every two, three months. But um, I have acted in that informal role for a lot of like M2s and M1s. Um, so if they have any questions about, you know, what's coming up in, in our neurology block or our immunology block, I can kind of tell them, okay, these are the resources. This is when you kind of need to start studying. Um, and so I really enjoy that and just, you know, having lunch with like the M2 and M1 or pre-med students even um, and just seeing what their career goals are and like if there's anything that I have information on. You know, I'm kind of the same way. The things I try to mentor on, especially for like younger students, is things I personally screwed up when I was going through the process. And I think especially my first year of medical school, I went through a lot of things blind. I kind of approach medical school the wrong way, maybe focusing on things that, um, maybe not, that's kind of a weird way to word it, but maybe like optimizing the way I study for things. I was definitely studying in very unoptimal ways. In college, I used to print out the PowerPoints of all our lectures and then kind of just rewrite everything over and over. That, that does not, (laughs) it does not work. And, um, kind of the growing pains of me starting to use different resources like Anki, Um, I went through that phase where you make your own cards, which I do not recommend anymore because it takes so much time to do and it's not worth it. And then learning how to use um, the pre-made decks, like the Light Years and On Kings. I started with Light Year and then I saw all these posts on Reddit where it was like, On King is better, which I mean, that's kind of debatable in its own way. But And then I had to switch over to On King. So it's like all these things that I could have done better. I try to tell younger students like, start early and start this now when you can have a less painful medical school experience. 
I think for me, the biggest thing I try to get across is to slow down, take a breath, and that it's going to be okay. Med school doesn't have to be the worst four years of your life. You can actually have a lot of fun. Like, I enjoy med school much more than I did undergrad. Um, maybe not socially, but academically. And so I try to get that across that, like, y- this is not just meant to be four years where everything in your life is tested. It does not have I to be like that I feel like that's way. so true. Like, everyone comes in thinking that this is going to be the worst experience of their life, which is such a terrible mindset to yeah, have. Yeah, like, it doesn't have to be that way. So I, I always tell people, like, you know, if it's a certain time and you feel like you can't learn anything more, take a break, maybe close up the books for the day, do something you like. And I think I always tell the underclassmen that, like, they don't have to study as much as they think they do. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, at our school, the first three weeks of medical school um, is basically just like an intro to medical school and medicine class. It's like three weeks. And right. at the end, you have a test. It doesn't count for anything. And so I came across this guy asked me questions like, yeah, no one is studying, but like I'm hitting the Anki cards already. Like I'm doing great. And I thought he was looking to me for some validation. And he, I was Wait, like, he was making Anki cards for the orientation? Yes. <laughs> and he was he was just like, no one else is studying, but like I'm not gonna be caught slipping. And I thought he was looking he was looking for me for validation, the fact that he, you know, is jumping the gun, studying for our intro class as well as studying for biochem. And I was like, listen. And the nice way possible is like, listen, do not study. This is the last time in the next four years we won't have to be responsible for anything. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I would do exactly what your classmates is doing and take a break and not study. Right, like um, try to meet some people and like enjoy yeah. the enjoy the moment of like starting to like the excitement of becoming a student, yeah. like medical student, right? So I think sometimes the best part of being a peer mentor and having been there, done that, is you're able to tell people when to cool it. A little bit. I feel like that Reddit euphoria kind of feeds into it because every M1 starts posting like, what do I need to do to be the top oh, student? Sure. And then they say stuff like, you need to study day one. And then they actually do that. But then, you know, you don't have to follow everything that Reddit says, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> you don't. And I understand like where they're coming from. Like they want to be, you know, ahead. They want to make sure they're the right. best future doctor they can be. But at some point, if you can live your life, I say live your life. And at that point, he did not need to be doing as much as he was doing. <laughs> so I kindly told him to back off a little bit. I wonder how you study for orientation. Like, you make cards like, what, are, what is the interval of our exams? A space bar, two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I felt, I felt kind of bad. He was like, oh, yeah, this M3, she's going to be on my side. And I was like, no. No, no, no. It shows that that guy has passion. Oh, know? for sure. He should apply that to his actual classes instead Definitely. of orientation. Yeah. yeah. How would you want to be a, like a mentor when you're actually a physician? I want to be an approachable mentor. I can't always say I'm going to be the quickest answer back, although I, I will. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to be someone where they feel like they don't have to put up like a professional facade that they can really just tell me exactly what's going on and I can give them the best... Um, the best advice I know possible. And I also want to be an advocate. I feel like a lot of students um, need an advocate in medical school when it comes to medical administration and things like that. Just someone who's willing to speak up for them um, and vouch for them. And I want to be able to be a mentor that can do that. Yeah, I think that approachability is such an important thing. The, like the doctors I love working with the most are the ones that you don't feel afraid to ask them a question. Yeah. Or you don't feel afraid about screwing up. 
when I um, become a doctor in the future, I want to focus a lot on like teaching because I think that's a really interesting part about being um, a physician, being able to teach residents who are very skilled like individuals and also teaching medical students who might not have like the skills yet, but they have a lot of that knowledge that they want to apply. I think it's so cool to be able to work in different settings like in the lecture hall or like in kind of group assisted learning or in the hospital. It's so many cool places that you can be a teacher, you know. I agree. That's actually something I'm really interested in, too. Like, I I don't know how much research I'm going to be doing in my 40s and 50s after fellowship, but I definitely want to always continue to be a teacher and and to, like, see students grow. I think is one of the best things to just watch where they start and see where they end up. Mm -hmm, For sure. Okay, well, I know it was a short one, but I I hope we shared some, like, interesting stories and personal experiences of how we had mentors, how we found mentors, and how we could be mentors for other people. Tune in in the future weeks where we'll try to have a doctor on the show and they kind of go through their role in mentorship as well as their lifestyle um, in medicine. So if you want to hear more about us, you can see us on anchor.fm, on Spotify, as well as on Apple Podcasts. We also have an Instagram and Twitter, which the handles are MDWannabes, and those are run by Needy, um, one of the other members of this podcast. And with that, thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye!